All right, well, in a minute, uh, Mark's going to come and share God's word with us, but I just want to give a couple of more uh, sort of announcements for our church family. As you've uh, been hearing over the last several weeks and in our newsletter and on our website and that, is this week we're going to run our first sort of vision night for our church. And so we're doing three nights, one each week, to give you different opportunities uh, to be able to attend. So we start this Thursday evening, the 15th. We're 7 to 9. The next week we're Wednesday, the 21st. The following week we're Tuesday night, the 27th, 7 to 9. You only have to attend one of those, but we're asking everybody as we've got lots of new people coming into our church, as we're making um, some changes and going forward, as we're really explaining a lot of who we are and what we're all about. And we're going to continue that in our our next few weeks on our Sunday mornings as well. We're going to be sort of supplementing those vision nights with teaching about who we are as a church. And so Mark's going to continue that this morning. We invite really everyone to attend one of those evenings. And we're looking at, I know some of you have commented that you can't get out on a weeknight. So we're looking at trying to do one on a Saturday or a Sunday to supplement the three that we're already doing. So we'll get word on that hopefully by the end of this week. And as you've noticed uh, in the email, in the church newsletter and that, if you can read, we've done up our handbook. If you can read that beforehand, that would help us out tremendously. And you can bring your questions or you can email your questions to us ahead of time. That would just help facilitate that evening. So if you could help us out in that way. That would be great. All right, well, we've had uh, really the honor and privilege of having Mark and Debbie Rushworth and Grace and Josh with us from January 2nd. They have survived the winter. Um, We warned them, coming from England. uh, I spoke to their church back in August, and one of the things I said is they're going to come in January, and we'll see if they make it through to the spring. They didn't realize spring would mean May the 11th. as I think this is our first day of spring. And uh, they've come from Sheffield really feeling a call to Canada and trying to sort through what that looks like. And that's a, a big move and trying to figure out where they're supposed to fit. And I felt a connection to us here in Fredericton. And so the way things we've worked out is their church has sent them for six months to really sort of test that call. And um, so they've been generous in being able to do that. And we've really benefited from that for receiving them. And Mark and Debbie have been involved in really every aspect of church life and uh, helping out in PEI all, all over. And so we've been seeking God and really praying to say, where do they fit? Do they fit here in Fredericton? Does it work with something and what we're uh, doing in church planning, those sorts of things. And to make a long story um, short, we've had really Uh, one option that no one else considered except for our friend Don Smith, who we should have known. (laughs) So Don and Stephanie, who help in our church, for the last couple of years, they've actually been helping out also in a church in Milton, Ontario. And so Don made this sort of passing comment when he was here before he left in December. He had just come from Milton before he came and he was with us for the three weeks. He said, I just wonder, he said, if... Mark and Debbie coming here is just a way of getting in. And he says, I think they'd be a perfect fit in what Milton needs and their church moving forward. And so the church from Milton, they had seven here for our conference. And so you might have met some of the crew from there. And again, make a long story short, and Mark might speak into it somewhere. It's just too long to explain all the sort of connect all the dots and everything like that. But the Milton church, their church, city church in Sheffield, for us and our leadership in that, we believe God's making a way for Mark and Debbie to transition and to become part uh, on the leadership team of Milton Bible Church in Milton, Ontario. And so 
uh, we're making that transition. So Mark and Debbie are going to go um, next week again for a week to help just solidify that. And so we're going to be praying for Mark and Debbie tonight. We're going to pray for our Green Hill Lake Camp crew. And we're praying for Mark and Debbie and Josh and Grace and just, again, wisdom and uh, direction and really to kind of confirm these things and then working out what that looks like as far as them uh, moving to Canada for uh, full time. So we want to be able to share that uh, with our church family. And so, Mark and Debbie, why don't you just come for a minute? I just want to pray for you, and then uh, Mark's going to share God's word, okay? So come on up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Yeah, Father, once again, we just want to thank you so much for Mark and Debbie and their friendship. Lord, we thank you for their obedience to step out in faith and to trust your calling and your leading without knowing where that was going to go. And Lord, we do pray over these next couple of weeks, Lord, we pray, uh, God, we ask selfishly, Lord, for confirmation, Lord, to know that, yes, this is the good, pleasing, and perfect will that you have for them. And God, we thank you again so much for their time with us and how they've blessed us in uh, serving and friendship. And Lord, we know that this is going to continue. And Father, we pray now, Lord, over these next few weeks that you would continue to show them the next steps. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks so much, Mark and Debbie. And just to say uh, as well that uh, we're building a friendship with the Milton Church. And so I should have mentioned that as well with Jim and Mary who helped lead. They were here a year and a half ago. They came for a weekend. And so some of you met them. And so we're just walking that out with Don and Stephanie helping to serve our church and helping to serve them. There's a natural connection there. So we're going to just walk that out as well. And we believe that we're supposed to be connected. And Mm -hmm. so we're going to see what that looks like in the days ahead. Okay. And Mark's now going to speak into some of our core value things of what it is in our church and in our family of churches. Okay. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Jay. Okay. Yes. It's uh, it's certainly been a bit of a roller coaster few months uh, for us. We have loved getting to know the guys here. Oh, this is a <laughs> interesting stage end. Um, <laughs> I was nearly off it from the first minute. Um, <laughs> we have... We have loved getting to know some of you guys uh, and uh, increasingly uh, just love spending time here. And we, we really were feeling initially that God's going to do something. He maybe is going to bring us here. We didn't see how that was going to pan out long term, but we, we felt maybe there is that. And as Joe says, it's, uh, Milton was, was kind of a bit of a, a thing out here and we thought, how is that going to work out? But actually, God spoke to us very clearly in prophetic words and then also changed our hearts on things as well because um, that's important too. There were some very clear prophetic things. There was a, just give you one, uh, which really got our attention about Milton. Uh, there was uh, a woman in our church back in Sheffield. She emailed me and said uh, she felt, uh, to me and Dan, who leads the church there as well, um, she felt that God was uh, giving her this picture of, of Goldilocks and the three bears. And uh, she said, in, as in that story where you get the, the bed and the chair and the porridge uh, that is just right, she said there would be decisions that we were making together Uh, that would seem just right. Um, I kind of thanked her for that word uh, by email and thought, well, yeah, it kind of makes sense. We would be making decisions if we felt it was just right, so I don't really get what that's saying. But anyway, thanks. um, (laughs) So I sent this email back. The next day was when Jim asked us, Jim DeMarsh in Milton, asked us if we would come over and uh, and visit. And uh, to be honest, we weren't even that keen on going. We'd spoken to Joe. We were like, I'd spoken to Debbie. We were like, well, you know, can't really see it. Why do we want to go? We feel it's definitely something linking in with with the guys here, which still believe it is. And in terms of what Joe was saying, there will be connections. Um, 
But Debbie then Googled on her iPad, she Googled Milton, Ontario to find out about it. And the first thing she came across was a newspaper article. And in this newspaper article was the line, many people, much like Goldilocks, seem to consider Milton to be just right. Uh, so Debbie was like going, ah! <laughs> It kind of went from there. It's a much longer story than that. I don't have time to tell the whole thing today. Uh, maybe some of you will get to know more of it. But we just felt God clearly speaking. We're getting to know Jim and Mary and their team there. But we do feel that is where God is leading us. I may refer back to it again at the end. But I think it is God who's clearly leading. And we can trust that actually this time here has been for purpose as well. And this will be ongoing relationship that we have. And today, actually, I'm going to speak on friendship. Uh, friends enjoying God together. That's one of the distinctives that we have as a Christ central church. There's four distinctives. We're going to look at them over the last few uh, over the next few weeks. Last week, Joe was preaching, and he preached on Jesus is alive, and that changes everything. And so we're going to look at actually some of the things that do change, some of the things that change in our life, some of the things that change in the life of our church. What does it mean um, to be uh, a Christ-central church? What does it mean to, have a, to be a church that has Christ at the center of it because of Jesus' resurrection? And today we're going to look at what it means for our relationships um, One of our distinctives then is that we are friends enjoying God together. And so we're going to unpack that. Now, I'm not going to particularly go from one passage in the Bible. We're going to look all across the whole breadth of the Bible. So there's not going to be one passage coming up on the screen. If you have a Bible, you may want to turn to different passages as I speak to them. Some of them we'll look at in a little bit more depth. Some of them I'll just refer to. I'll give you the references in case you want to look up them later on as well. And I'm going to be using the NIV as I speak. Um, So we see right from the book of Genesis, right from the very start of the Bible, that God is interested in relationship. God is interested in friendship with us. He created Adam. But in Genesis 2 and verse 18, he declares, it's not good for man to be alone. So out of Adam, he formed Eve. He took her rib. Out of Adam himself, he formed Eve to be united together in one flesh. They were two distinct persons, Adam and Eve, but they were created out of one flesh with the intention that they become one flesh. They were already one flesh. The intention was to be one flesh. Of course, we see that modeled in God in the Trinity, don't we? Um, We see in the Trinity three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, yet one God, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, all in loving relationship with each other, even before the creation of the world. We say, oh, God is love. But actually, on your own, you can't love. Who do you love? So even before the creation of the world, who was God going to love before the creation of the world? Actually, the Father loved the Son and the Spirit, the Spirit loved the Father and the Son. The Son loved the Father and the Spirit. There's relationship together. Even within the Godhead, there's friendship. There's relationship. And that's what we see in Adam and Eve. We see one flesh made two with the aim of becoming one flesh in perfect relationship with each other, in relationship with God. And uh, we see that relationship playing out. We see in Genesis 3.8, God 
walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Why was he doing that? You get the impression that he does that. He did that regularly. He did that so that he could be in friendship and relationship with Adam and Eve. Of course, when we hear about it, we see that that friendship has gone wrong. That friendship with God was severed because of Adam and Eve's love for themselves over their love of God. They were created as lovers in the image of God, but their love turned. Instead of their desire for God, their desire was for the fruit and for the wisdom that it brought more than desiring God. And we we see that that's been the case ever since. We see that that has been the case ever since that day, that humankind has desired other things over God. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, um, we read in verse 1, Mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. We've become lovers of pleasure, lovers of all these other things rather than lovers of God. And it doesn't take much observation in the world around us, does it, to see that that's the case. We see a society, yes, who love because we were created to love. Yes, we were created to have relationship. We were created to have friendship. We were created to love God and love each other. But instead, that love has been turned. It's been turned elsewhere. It's been turned towards ourselves. It's been turned towards pleasure and godlessness. But God never gave up. Even though he cast Adam and Eve out of that garden, he never gave up on them. He always had a plan. And we've seen that plan working its way through from that moment on. And we see it all the way through Scripture. We see that God chose one man, Abraham, or Abram as he was called at the time. He later changed his name to Abraham. He chose one man, not because he was anything special. He wasn't a godly man compared to anyone else. He was a pagan. He was living in a godless society, yet God began a relationship with him. James chapter 2 and verse 23 tells us that Abraham was called God's friend. God chose Abraham to be his friend. And so this one man knew and trusted God. He walked in faith and friendship. And God promised him. God gave him great promises. He says, this is just the start. There are going to be so many descendants of you, Abraham. Look at the stars in the sky. You can't count them, but there are going to be more of your descendants, more people who I'm going to have friendship with, who I'm going to have relationship than you can count. Look at the sand on the seashore. More than the grains of sand are the people who are going to be coming into friendship with me. It was God's plan to restore friendship with him. And so God's people begin to grow. We read about it as we go through the Old Testament. We read about Moses, that when the people were in slavery in Egypt, they were led out of that slavery into nationhood by Moses. And we read about Moses in Exodus chapter 33. 
Exodus 33 and verse 11. And it says this. It says, The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Moses was a friend of God. Moses got to speak to God face to face. He knew what it was like to be friends with God. But he was far from perfect. He was far from perfect too. He knew, though, that friendship with God, friendship with God was more than any else. The prospect of losing that friendship was unthinkable to Moses. You remember when uh, the, the Israelites, they made a golden calf. Moses was up on the mountain, Mount Sinai, speaking with God. He was gone for a long time. And the people began to think, well, where is this God? And where's Moses gone? So they started to make a, a calf, a, a gold idol out of, the, out of what they had. And they started to worship it. And God was angry with, his pe- with these people. And he said, look, you, you, you go, said Moses, you go. You lead the people into the promised land, he said, but, and I'll send an angel before you, he said, but I'm not going with you. But, but you go. And Moses said, no, no. He says in Exodus 33 and verse 15, if your presence does not go with us, don't send us up from here. If your presence, oh God, doesn't go with us, then don't send us up from here. I don't care about the promised land. I don't care that it's a land flowing with milk and honey. I don't care of what we've come out of and what we're going into. Because God, what matters isn't all of those things. What matters is you. I've known you, God. I've known your friendship. I've known your love. And God, if you don't go, what do we have? What do we have? We see it reflected, don't we, with the disciples later on with Jesus when he says, are you going too when people leave him? And they say, Lord, where would we go? Where would we go? They've come into something that they say, we can't go back. We can't go from anything else. Moses says, what else will distinguish me and your people from all the other peoples on the face of the earth? That's what distinguishes God's people, that they know God. They, they speak to him as friends. We've got friendship with God. God isn't some sort of distant figure who just makes commands and sets things in place and then stands back and watches. God wants to be intimately involved in our life. He wants friendship with us. And Moses had tasted of that and he said, I can't go back. There's no going back. I'm not going to go anywhere without you. And so throughout the Old Testament, we see God's relationship with his chosen people. People that he had chosen to have a special relationship with him. Yet their hearts, their hearts were still warped. They were still lovers of themselves. They were still lovers of pleasure. They were still lovers of all these things because of of who they'd been made in Adam. They'd been born like that, and so their hearts would always steer them away. But God would keep on coming back to them, never giving up on them, never letting go of them. 
All through the Old Testament, we see God's people betray him. They turn to others. They worship other idols. And, and God, in his holiness, he, st- he punishes them. But it's always, always with a view to turn their hearts back to him. Always with that in mind. He sends his prophets to call his people back to repentance. We see it time and again throughout the Old Testament in the prophets. We even see Hosea, someone like Hosea, being told by God, go and take a prostitute as your wife. Someone who shows how unfaithful they are by what they do. And use that as a model. Your love for her, never giving up on her, as a model for how I never give up on my unfaithful people. God doesn't give up. He's never given up on his people. He's always wanted that friendship, that relationship with us. And so God the Father sends his own son. His own son, who he's been in relationship with for eternity. And he came and he lived among us. And Jesus, as he started his ministry, he chose friends. He chose people to be his friends. In the same way that God chose Abraham, the same way that God chose Moses to have a special relationship with him. In Mark chapter 3 and 13, it says, Jesus called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. Well, they would, wouldn't they? Jesus, the Son of God, he called to him those he wanted, and they came. That's what God does. That's what God does today. He calls to him those he wants. And you know what? We come. We come. We, th- we sometimes think we're making choices. But actually, it's God's choice. God's call. God's call on our lives. Jesus chose his friends. And he was going to spend the next three years walking with them, talking with them, eating with them, drinking, laughing, crying with them. Three of them he chose to be closer than than others. Peter, James, and John. They were to go with him up onto the Mount of Transfiguration. They went a bit further on into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray with Jesus. But they were all friends of God. They weren't necessarily friends with each other. As we see from the the Gospels, we see them arguing. Who's the greatest? Who's the one who's going to be sitting at the the right hand of Jesus? You know, some of them even got their their mother to come and argue for them. I mean, that's pretty bad, isn't it, when your mother comes. Jesus, can my son sit at your right and left hand? That's pretty embarrassing. But um, (laughs) but there was competition between them at the time. You know, Jesus had called them to be friends with him. They were united with him. They weren't necessarily getting on with each other at that point. But he called them together. And then we see him talk to them in John 15. He's about to explain what's going to happen to him. He's going to explain how he's going to have to die. He's going to leave them. He's going to be sending the Holy Spirit. All that Terry spoke about when he was, when he was here. But he's, he said this to his disciples. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. These were guys who... Just, they were there together. But he's saying, no, no, don't just love me. Don't just receive my love. Love each other. Love each other in the way that I have loved you. He modeled it, didn't he, by washing their feet. He said, you must do the same. You need to do the same. Love each other as I have loved you. And then he says this, greater love 
has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Of course, that's what Jesus was going to do. He was going to show the greatest act of love of all. He was going to lay down his life, not just for his friends, the disciples, but for the friends that God is wanting to call for us. He laid down his life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this. He said, you are my friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. We need to understand that. We've not chosen God. He's chosen us and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. That's what it was about. He was going to show the greatest act of love that the world has ever known. But he's saying, it's not just for you. It's for wider than that. The story of God's love goes beyond Abraham. It goes beyond Israel. It goes beyond the disciples. And it comes to the church. It comes to us, the church. That's why Jesus died. He died for the church. He died for his people. He died so that we might have relationship with him. Paul sees it. Paul says it in Ephesians chapter 1. He says to the church in Ephesus, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Open your heart, eyes of your heart in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. You may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms, far above all authority, power, and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. He's saying, I want you to know this great power. This is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And then he goes on and he says, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything. That's what he's done. For, for Jesus, he's raised him from the dead. He's appointed him to be head over everything. He's poured out his power. Why has he done it? He's done it for the church. For the church. He's done it for the church. He's done it for us, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. He's done it all so that he may know us. He's done it all because he wants to love us. He wants us to be his friends, to be in relationship with him. And we see it. We see it panning out. We see it in Acts. We go into Acts, into the early church, and we get into Acts chapter 2. And what do we see about about the church? We see it in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves, this is the church, to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together and everything had in common. 
and selling their possessions and goods, they gave to everyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. He says they, they were together. Hang on, this group of people, this group of people started with the disciples, the apostles, who are following Jesus. Yeah, we'll follow you, Jesus. Actually, we don't really even like each other that much. We're not even that keen on each other. In fact, we're just going to be in competition with each other. But suddenly, they're together. They're together. They're devoting themselves. What are they devoting themselves to? They're devoting themselves to God. They're devoting themselves to Jesus through fellowship and worship and prayer and breaking bread, but they're devoting themselves to each other as well. So they're selling what they have. They're seeing that others are in need, and instead of thinking, oh, I'm better than they are, they're saying, hey, do you know what? We can share this. I'll give to you. They're giving to each other. They've got a generosity of spirit. They've understood something of what Jesus was meaning when he said, do you know what, brothers? Love one another as I have loved you. They're showing that same love. They became joyfully generous with what they had. They weren't looking to themselves anymore. Their hearts were no longer turned towards themselves and turned towards sin and turned towards selfishness because their hearts had been transformed by God. Because they'd understood what it meant to be forgiven by God. They'd understood what it was that Jesus accomplished on the cross. That on the cross, he accomplished Reunion with God, the Father. Friendship with God through Jesus. Where Jesus took our selfishness and our sin and our twistedness and he straightened it out. As we come to him and we say, oh God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the life that I've been living. I'm sorry for the way my heart has been leading. But God, you've drawn me to you. You're drawing me into a relationship with you. You're wanting friendship with me. And so, God, I come. Thank you, God, that you can make my heart right. Thank you, God, that you can straighten my heart out. And that's what he does. He straightens out our hearts. And so now we can know and have friendship with God. And we can have friendship with each other. Our hearts are changed. They're eating together. They're eating together. They're praising God together. There's just delight and joy in their worship of God. It's not a formal duty. It's not, oh, we've got to do this. We have to do it. They know they're encountering the risen Lord Jesus by his Holy Spirit. They know God. Enjoying friendship with him and enjoying friendship with each other. So what happened? Acts says the church began to grow daily. It began to grow. Why did it grow daily? Well, Jesus had said, by this all men will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Because that's not seen, is it, in the world? No one sees that. Everyone sees everyone out for each other. Yeah, a few nice acts here and there. But when when it really comes down to it, when it gets costly, when it gets sacrificial, no, we're out for ourselves but not God's people, not friends of Jesus. They love one another. There's a difference, and it's attractive. And people are saying, what, this God is real? God's real? We can know God? 
We just thought God was some distant character. We thought God was just some stern, harsh dictator. Oh no. God's a lover to us. He woos us with a friendship, with a love. And he draws us in to a relationship with him and with each other in the church. Not just individually. It's not just me and God. It's God drawing us into his people, the church, the fullness of everything. That's why he died. That's why he died. So what does that mean to us today? Jesus is alive. He's living in us by his spirit. It changes everything. It changes everything. Let's see what it changes. Three quick things that it changes in regard to friendship. We've touched on them already, some of them. Firstly, God calls us to be friends with him. We're called into something different from formal religion. Because formal religion is still about self. It's still about ourselves. It's still about doing the right thing. It's about being seen as a good person, a moral person. So, so people can do their duty, their religious duty. They know that on a, at 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock, whatever time it might be, on a Sunday morning, they show up to their building, uh, this building, and we're going to come and we're going to sit and we're going to do our religious duty. This is our, our church uh, service. We're going to sit here. We're probably not going to talk to anyone else around us because we're not joined in hearts by any time to our hearts by by God so we're just going to be us here and then we'll do it and that's us and we're good and that's what the Pharisees were like that's what the Pharisees were like they were just doing the right thing formal religion going home again at the end nothing having changed I spoke to someone who started coming along to our church in Sheffield once and he'd been going along to his, uh, his local um, Anglican church, Church of England church. And I said, so what, what, do you th- what was it like then? And he said, you know, he said, I used to come out more depressed than when I went in. <laughs> he said, I, I'm suffering from depression. He said, it just made it worse. <laughs> he said, but I come to you. He said, and there's life. There's friendship. Friend- and he saw something. Friendship with each other friendship with God. There's life. It's a million miles away from religion. Many, many people, the last thing they would have thought about being the friends of Jesus was good and moral. Jesus hung around the people no one thought was good. No one thought were moral. No one thought were religious people. They were people who everyone mocked, everyone despised. They're godless people. They often knew it themselves. And Jesus came to them. And he said, you know what? I want to be your friend. He was known as a friend of sinners. Jesus is a friend of people who know that they're sinners. People who thought that they were okay. People who thought that they were good enough. He said, you know what? The sick don't need a doctor. said, so I've not come for you. You don't need me. So you say. But these people... They know they need me. They're sick. They need a doctor. They're sinners. They need a friend. So Jesus came and he was their friend. And what did he do? He ate with them. He drank with them. People said, Jesus, he's a drunkard. He's a glutton. He just hangs around these people. Hangs around prostitutes all the time. What's going on? Because he was drawing them to him. In friendship. 
And God still calls us to be friends with him. We don't have to be a good person to be a friend with God. We don't have to get our life fixed up to be a friend with Jesus. Because Jesus came for those who knew they needed him. He was a friend of sinners. He came for those who knew their life was a mess. And he said, you know what? I'm going to straighten your heart. I'll straighten your heart. That's what he does. And once people come and know that drawing, that wooing of Jesus, that friendship of Jesus, he does straighten our hearts out. He forgives us as we repent and turn away from our past life. As we get baptized, we show, do you know what? This old life that we had, where our hearts were just about ourselves and pleasure and all this stuff, actually we're died into that. And we've come alive to a new life in Christ. Friendship with God. Everything's changed. There's real relationship with the God who created the heavens and the earth. Living by his spirit in our hearts. And we can relate with him and we can know him daily. We can come to God daily. Not just on a religious holy day. On a Sunday or a Saturday or whatever day you want it to be. Or a Wednesday evening for your life group. We can come to him every day. And God will change our lives dramatically. He comes to us every morning and says, greetings, greetings. He greets us by name. He greets us by name. He loves us. And we can say that to him too. Secondly, God calls us to be friends with each other. Church is where we see a friendship with God that enables us to be friends with each other. So yes, God calls us to follow him, to lay down our lives for him, to give generously to him, to go on mission to him, to advance his kingdom in his power. But we do it gladly. Why? Because we've understood and discovered what our lives were meant to be in relationship and friendship. All of those other things, they're good things, but they all flow out of relationship. They all flow out of relationship and friendship with God And friendship with each other. Because no longer are we isolated and lonely. We find comfort and encouragement and support for each other. We laugh together. We cry together. We enjoy God together. Even as we go through the midst of trials and difficulties, we share each other's lives. We gladly can share our wealth. Because we're not focused on love of ourselves anymore. We're focused on the love of God. And it's that that we go and tell other people about as we go on mission. We don't just go and tell people about some distant God. We go and tell people about a God who has invaded our hearts and who has drawn close to us and who is friends with us. And as we introduce people to, to, uh, to us and they see the people around us, they say, hey, you guys, look at how you relate to each other. Look at the friendship that's going on here. Look at the love that's going on here. Yeah. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. We go and plant churches because there are not many churches that model that. There's a lot of places that call themselves churches. And you know what? People will go into them and they will come out more depressed than when they went in. And that is tragic Because do you know what? They believe that that is what God is about. 
And we need to show them otherwise. Not just tell them otherwise. Model it. Show them. This is what life with God's about. This is what friendship with God's about. And so it doesn't matter that there's a building on that corner, this corner, that corner. Because if people aren't knowing what it is to be friends with God and friends with each other, it is worthless. It's more than worthless. It's harmful. We need to model something. And God calls us to do that. So we can go to Charlottetown and plant a church in Charlottetown. And people say, but there's lots of churches in Charlottetown. Who is modeling this in Charlottetown? Some maybe. But you know what? Lots aren't. And we need to show what it is to be friends with God. We're not just focused in on the mission. It's not just work, work, work. We're modeling the joy of relationship that Jesus modeled for us. We're enjoying life together as we relate together and love one another. And you know what? In a church where that is understood, in a church where God's love and friendship is truly understood and received, then others are welcomed in as well. And the businessman and the beggar, they sit side by side and they share their lives in their midweek group. And the senior and the school student laugh and eat together. It's friendship. It's family. It's real life. It's what Jesus died for. And this is what the world is looking for. This is what the world is crying out for. Because for many in this world, friendship is no more than, than clicking on a name on Facebook and counting up how many people are friends, how many people are liking what I say. That's all they're searching for. Where am I going to get that affirmation? Where am I going to get that love that my heart cries out for? And they search and search in places like that, in social media, and they always come away empty and lonely and disappointed Because their hearts were designed for love in its full, true sense. Love of God, love of each other. And we can make sure, we can model that. We can model that, even on days like today. When today says, it's Mother's Day. We can spend time with our mothers, we can honor our mothers. But you know what? Even on so-called days for the family, Thanksgiving, Christmas, we can say, do you know what? We're going to draw people in. We're going to draw others, others who may be not part of families at the moment because they're part of our family. They're part of our church family. We're friends together. We're bringing life in its fullness to a lonely world. And finally, God calls us to relationship and friendship wider than the local church. Let's look and see very briefly what happened in the early church in terms of friendships. And again, we've not got time to read all the passages here, but you can follow this uh, later on. It's kind of the, the bits I'm looking at are from Acts 9 through Acts 15. And we're going to look at the connection between the Jerusalem church and the Antioch church. Church is in very different contexts. The Jerusalem church, um, mainly reaching out to Jews, and the Antioch church, probably the first church that really started reaching out to those who weren't Jews and, peop- and seeing people coming into relationship with God. And we see Saul, or Paul, depending on which name you want to use for him. By the way, it wasn't a ch- some people think he, God changed his name, like with Abraham. He didn't. It doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible. Saul was his, uh, his Jewish name. And Paul was the Roman name, and often people would have both names. And so when you see him referred to as Saul in the New Testament, it's often a 
Jewish context, and when he's referred to as Paul, it's in a Roman context when he's, got, or when he's reaching the Gentiles. That's just a free one for you there. Um, <laughs> it's nothing to do with what I'm preaching on. Um, <laughs> but Saul, Paul, he had both names. Um, so we see Saul, or Paul, and we see his friendships with Barnabas and Silas, we're going to particularly focus on, and then others like Timothy. When we read in Acts 9, we see how Barnabas gets to know Saul. And he introduces him to the Jerusalem apostles. He introduces him to those who were disciples in Jerusalem. Um, And they were scared of, of, of Saul because of what he'd done in the past. He'd been persecuting and killing the Jews. But Barnabas got to know him. He said, do you know what? God's really changed this guy. And he introduced him. He got him into friendship with the Jerusalem apostles. And Saul then started speaking about Jesus there. People uh, relaxed a little. Oh, yeah, he's on our side after all. God has changed him. But then Paul's life was threatened, and so he was sent off to Tarsus. Um, Then in Acts 11, we see that the church in Jerusalem have heard what's going on in Antioch. Okay, so maybe we could just even get some people to model this out, because this could be quite difficult. Okay, so we're going to have Jerusalem over here. We're going to have Antioch over here. Who wants to be uh, Paul? Come on then. You're going to be Paul, Saul. Okay, so here's Saul and, uh, and, and Barnabas. Now, no, he's in, he's in Tarsus. Where's Tarsus? Yeah, yeah, you go back there. You're, you're towards the back somewhere. Maybe not all the way. That'll do. Tarsus. Okay, here's Jerusalem. We, we need Barnabas. Stop there. That's okay. It wasn't that far. Who, who wants to be Barnabas? That's okay. Barnabas. Uh, yeah, come on, Brett. Uh, Joel, come on then. Joel can be Barnabas. And, um, and we're going to need some others in a minute. So uh, two, any two other guys come out and stand with Joel. Okay. So what happens? Barnabas... Have we got Barnabas? Yeah. Barnabas is sent from Jerusalem to Antioch because he's wanting to find out what's going on there because suddenly the gospel's being uh, spoken about to Gentiles, non-Jews. So off you go. You're on a trip and you're going to Antioch. Maybe you can be, this, this group here can be Antioch. You can join them. Okay. And he goes down and he finds actually God's really at work. God is really at work here in Antioch. He's, he, he gets to know the church. He gets to be friends with them. And he thinks, hey, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and find, I've got to go and find Paul. Because I've got to know Paul a while ago. So off he goes. He goes and finds Paul. Now, Paul is in Tarsus, which you're going to have to run because we'll be here all morning otherwise. Um, <laughs> there's only 10 minutes of the morning left. And he, and he brings him back to Antioch. Okay, he brings him back to Antioch, skipping along. In a, in a loving, friendly way, because God's joined their hearts together. <laughs> and so, <laughs> Paul and Barnabas are serving and teaching and getting to know the church in Antioch and getting to know God's uh, love there. Now, by Acts 15, some people have come down from Jerusalem. We won't say who they are. They're teaching not good things. They're teaching you have to become a Jew. So all these people in Antioch are saying, do you know what? You, if you want to follow Jesus, you've got to be Jews. And the church's like, oh, I'm not sure about this. And so what they did was they sent Paul and Barnabas, they sent them to Jerusalem. Off you go. Here's Jerusalem over here. They send them to Jerusalem. And they meet with the apostles in Jerusalem. And the apostles go, well, you know, 
they, they hear what's been going on, they report back, and they say, no, actually, we don't think it's right that they should become Jews. We don't think it's right that these men over here should be circumcised and all that. Breathe a sigh of relief. Um, so, so that's okay. So he said, we'll, send, we'll write a letter to explain that, and we'll send it back with you. But they also, they didn't just send them back with a letter. They sent them with some people. They sent them with Judas, not Judas Iscariot, so you're okay. So Judas and Silas. And so Judas and Silas also went with Paul and Barnabas. They went back to Antioch with their letter. They made friends. And as, obviously they're chatting and, and going on the way. And, and what happened there was that Judas and Silas, when they went back, they didn't just go, oh, here's the letter. See you later. We're going back to Jerusalem. It says they stayed a while. And they stayed a while and they taught as well. And they really strengthened and encouraged the churches in Antioch. All right? And then, for a, after a while, um, Judas and Silas went back to Jerusalem. Okay? There's a little bit of debate about whether Silas actually went back or not, but it says he did. Um, <laughs> uh, then later on, later on, Paul has been going out with Barnabas, so he's still been going out on this, on this mission. Now, they, they do have a bit of a fallout about who they should take with them on their next journey. And Barnabas really wants to go with, with uh, his cousin, um, John Mark, and Paul says, no, I'm not going to do that. So what does Paul do? Paul decides, I'm going to go with, where's he gone? <laughs> I'm going to go with Silas. So Paul gets Silas, and off they go, traveling around together. <laughs> yeah, I just visit the churches in the region. <laughs> Okay, thanks, guys. You guys can sit down and you sit. But do you see what's happening there? Because all that is going on at this point is the church is being built. Churches are being planted. Churches are being strengthened. People are being encouraged. They're growing in the love of God. But what's going on on this level? It's about friendship. It's about friendship. They're just getting to know each other. Individuals, Paul, Barnabas, Silas, Judas, uh, getting to know each other. I'm trusting this guy. I'm going to go with him. I'm going to get to know him more. Do you know what? God has continued to do that throughout the ages. The friendship God has been bringing together in this church in Fredericton, they cross the nations and even continents. People have come in to join you from different countries. Some have even come as refugees. But do you know what? It's all in God's hand. God is deliberately joining us together in love and friendship. And so you'll know some of the people who who God's joined you in hearts with here. Reese Scott, he came, he got relationship with Joe and some others years and years ago when he was only young himself. Begins a friendship. Now he's out leading the church in Vancouver, but still friends, planted out from here. Friendship together. Andrew and Janet Dreiser, their family come from Owen Sound. And they become friends with you. And then you send them out into plant the church in PEI. But the friendship is still strengthening. And so they're back from time to time. And actually, some of their kids are still here. Friendship brought our family to Fredericton from Sheffield. As we got to know Joe and Angela, Gary and Barb. And so we came over, had a couple of weeks with you, got to know some more of you a little better. I stayed with Sebastian and Vanang the first time I came. 
developing friendship with them, got to know others. Some of you, we've got to know more than others, but that's the way friendships can be. But we're friends with you as a church, and we've loved getting to know you and being part of your church and worshiping God together. And you know what? If we could just choose a church to be part of uh, without thinking, where does God want to send us? We would choose here because we love you guys. We've really been joined in heart with you. And so through that, we see God joining the hearts of others. You know, I'm introducing my friends to you in a few weeks' time. We've already had Dan, our church leader, come out, and a couple of others from the church, Liam and Sarah. But in a couple of weeks' time, we're getting 13 others coming out to, do, to run a kids' club. Is that the main thing we're doing? Actually, yes, but no. They're here for a week. We've got a whole schedule of things where we're just going to get to know each other. There's going to be relationship. There's going to be barbecues. We're going to have picnics. We're going on walks. We're, we're going to go out to the Snooty Fox together. We, lots of things that we're going to do because we're about building friendship and relationship, joining hearts. Yes, we're going to share the love of God with our children, and that's important. But it's going to be a lot of fun and laughter. And through coming here as well, we've got to know Jim and Mary DeMarsh in Milton and We've heard God calling us there to join them, building a church, helping them build a church founded on the word and spirit and loving God and knowing Jesus as our friend. And as we leave in a few weeks' time, our hearts are going to be saddened. But we know that our friendship is going to continue because actually we're going to introduce the friends we've made here to the friends we get to know there. I've already said to Jim, do you know what? I really want to get you to get to know Joe and Angela, Gary and Bob and others in the church. Now, they know them a little, but I've said, I want you, I want you to get to know them some more. I want you to get to know the church some more. You know, they, who knows? They may come over for family weekends in the future that you run because it's about relationship. Some of you might even come and join us in Milton. Who knows? Who knows what God's doing? like we saw with Paul and Silas. God calls us to a wonderful thing, friendship with him. It's not dependent on how good a friend we are to him. It's dependent on how good a friend he's been to us. It's his faithfulness that sustains the friendship. And if you're on the fringes, if you're just here because you're checking in, if you're here just because you think that's what you do on a Sunday, then can I invite you into something far greater than that? Come in and discover what Jesus came to die for, what God always wanted, a relationship with the living God, having a relationship and friendship with him as we do with each other. Can I encourage you? Get to know each other. Join a life group. Make sure those friendships aren't just for a Wednesday night, but go beyond. Come and find out what it means to be part of this church and be open to what God's got for you in the future. Wherever that might be, he may lead you on, but it's always going to be with friendship and relationship right at the center. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you that, that you have come to us. You've come to us and you've straightened us out. You've straightened our life out. Lord, thank you that the friendship that you always wanted with us was worked through. That it cost you sending your own son to die on the cross. But Lord, you raised him up again. And you brought us together with him into a new 
risen, resurrected life with you. That we might know you day by day. Friendship with the God who created the heavens and the earth. And Lord, thank you that you're joining hearts together, even in this room. Friendship within the church. Friendship across boundaries that others would put up. Age boundaries, race boundaries, geographical boundaries. You're joining them together. Hearts joined in friendship with you. It's wonderful, Lord. We see it in your word. Lord, may we see it more and more in our lives and in our churches. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, let's stand. We're going to finish. Our time is gone this morning, but uh, Mark, we want to thank you for uh, building us up so well this morning. It's great to know that we have friendship with God, that we have friendship with each other, and that we build church on relationship. It's about friends first. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you're building with us and in us. And so, Lord, we ask for your blessing as we continue in Jesus' name. Don't forget tonight, we have our tag meeting. We're going to pray for Mark and Debbie as they prepare to go to Milton. And so, it'll be your chance to have an opportunity to speak into their lives prophetically and to pray for them, and as well for our Green Hill Lake guys. So, come on out this evening, 7 o'clock at our building, 487 Brunswick. Have a great day. Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers, and we'll see you this evening. God bless you.